Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Movie Takes, our movie podcast on movies both old and new. I'm your co-host, Daniel McFadden, and this week's episode is the Rob Reiner-directed mockumentary, This is Spinal Tap, which shows us exactly what would have happened to the Beatles if Yoko Ono hadn't gotten involved. But to, yes. but, but to my co-host, James Crow, this movie was... The funniest movie that I'd never actually laughed at. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, like I said, directed by Rob Reiner. And it was actually written. The writing credit actually goes to the cast of the movie because yeah. the vast, vast majority of the movie was actually ad-libbed. Yeah, it was. Like which, most of it. Which gives it a very kind of proto Will Ferrell movie vibe in a way. Will Ferrell? Yeah, like you know, you you, the, you have that interplay of all the actors that you only get from ad living. You know that he always has, and like he always shows up in like you know Anchorman and all that kind of stuff. The, you show, don't you mean like Judd Apatow? Well, like, Judd Apatow more than Will Ferrell. Well, that's that too. But they they all you know they all have that ad lib thing where you know you know like Anchorman they made an entire second movie out of the alternative takes from the first one just because they're just in there you know just bsing lines just nonstop yeah i think i watched did i watch that i don't know but i did i did see the the Anchorman 2 extended cut so daniel i i want to ask yeah. i want to ask you so this movie is based on a specific you know it's a a genre of music I it's, oh it's it's a rock this movie is a rockumentary mockumentary. Yeah. Not sure if uh, I can say that again. It and it's based on a very specific genre of documentary that you know is very kind of time based in a way. But you know, yeah, it, it is. So it is. what experiences do you have with this sort of thing? Like did you grow up with watching behind the music? I was born in 1991, so... so I mean, you, you never know. Your parents could have had it and had I, like a little TV in your bedroom. My, my parents were not MTV parents or VH1 parents. They were not. Oh, were, say, where I grew up, we did not have MTV. They still don't have MTV on the local cable there. When they got VH1, they finally got VH1. I don't know what year it was. It was the late 90s. It was a big controversy. Controversy? Yes. Oh, not a big yes. deal, but it was a controversy. Because apparently, like, Rob Thomas was going to cor corrupt the youth of my hometown. Rob Thomas. Oh, yes. The, the, the first year, it was basically smooth. Like, the song smooth the whole time. You know, Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. Rob Thomas of Street Corner Symphony? No, wait, that's no, not. Matchbox 20. Same, I, but they, they did a song that was like Street, was it? Something. How, how would Rob Thomas corrupt anyone? <laughs> I, I don't know. But that was the whole thing. But. But no, no, this that, era, I mean, this early 80s yeah. stuff, this is. Yeah. I will listen, I will listen to rock music from that era, but I'm by no means an expert on it. Well, I, I can't say much for the terrible, terrible music of the 80s, but... I like 80s music. I'm oh, I very much like 80s music. I, I, I'm weird. I'm weird, though. I, I like music that is heavily inspired by the 80s, but... Same, I, too. Me, too. Me, too. 
Yeah. But I like, dislike like, like the killers. I very much dislike actual eighties music and especially like arena metal, you know, hair metal, all, all that kind of stuff. It does zero for me. And what did this movie do for you? Um I mean it it was entertaining. I I, I got the joke. I, I mean I get it. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed the movie. Um up until a point. Um I think that point was about sixty minutes into it. Well, for, um, oh it was sixty for you, it was thirty to forty for me. Yeah. That 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 was when it was like, okay, moving on. And, and I think for me it was just because overall like the movie like it was very interesting and i think watching it in the 80s would be just you know mind-blowing but the you know the movie it's very incoherent in a lot of ways like there is an overarching story you know you're you're you're, there is you're watching you know this band slide into irrelevance you know that is the overarching story. You know you're having you have the the the, the you know semi Yoko Ono toward the opening act for a puppet show. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And like I said, like, like I said, that was hilarious. Oh no, it was. I but, told I told them once. I told them a thousand times to put Spinal Tap before puppet show. <laughs> yes. and, and like I said, that was hilarious. But it got the same reaction out of me that a really good Sunday comic would, would, you know, just a, huh. That's a bit. Oh, uh, okay. Huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it no, was, I, well, for, well, okay. Finish. Never mind. Sorry. It, it was funny. It was, it was entertaining, funny, but not funny, funny, which I mean, isn't a bad thing, but same with, you know, our last review with um, Dr. Strangelove. But, you know, I had a little bit different expectation of it. Uh, yeah. I was expecting, you know, you know the, the thing that's the big standout, you know, line from the scene is the amp going up to 11. And, you know, you're expecting a little more airplane. Like, I think that needs to be a, be like an official meter of satire and parody. Like, like on a scale of, like, some normal movie to airplane where does it fall um, i don't know if that's fair because this is this is a very different angle oh yeah well i uh, like i mean airplanes like constantly winking at the camera they're they're playing final tap they're playing it straight oh yeah and, and so I, I don't. I don't. It's not anything I hold against the movie. It's just a matter of me as a consumer being misinformed, knowing only the highlights of the film, going into it. Same oh, I, with, I didn't. I didn't even know the highlights of this. Really, I knew that Michael McKean was in it. Um, I knew that Rob Reiner directed it, and that's it. I re- I knew it was a mockumentary about '80s music. And that's it. I, I had listened oh. to Michael McKeon on the Nerdist podcast in the last couple months, so I had the movie kind of in the back of my head. And so when it popped on, up on Netflix, I was like, hey, why not? Well, um, let me ask you. 
it's kind of a weird tangent, but you hopefully you'll see why I'm asking this. All right, growing up, like I don't know you, I watched a lot of you know classic TV. You know, again, we didn't have MTV, so I watched more TV land than most people probably did. Um, I watched it too. Did you ever watch the monkeys? Yeah, it's, I, I think yeah, I think I did. Basically, basically, it's a on Nick at Night at least. I think yeah, I, I think it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's a TV show about a band who really, really wants to be the Beatles, but you know, and but it actually spawns like a real band that had actual real hits that really toured and still does tour to some like really pathetic degree today. They they had hey hey with the monkeys. Yes, um, people say they're monkeying around. Hey hey with the monkeys. Then they did uh, last train to Clarksville, right? I don't know. All of those songs blend together. Last, last train. Hold on. But oh, day, I, I, day daydream believer. They did. Yeah. I honestly like old pre artsy Beatles. And um, a, a lot of like Beach Boys and the Monkees kind of blend together. Yeah, last train, of, last train to Clarksville, the Monkees, 1967. But I bring them up because you know, it's it's an interesting comparison to me because you know you have a you know fake band that yeah becomes a legitimate entry into the genre that they're kind of parodying. Yeah, um, and, th- and those are the best. Those are the best parodies or send ups is when they. They're making fun of a genre, but they're also an entry within that yeah. genre. Like so in in like the top three examples that I know of and think of in that regard are the monkeys, the you know, Metalocalypse, <laughs> and Spinal Tap. You know, where you actually have touring bands, but they spawned out of a TV show. But yeah, like I mean, with this movie, you you get tired of it, like after an hour. I got a, I got tired of it between thirty and forty minutes, and which is funny, because this movie, I believe, was originally like a twenty minute short. Yeah, um, I believe what happened was the um, they were get um, the writers like Rob Reiner and friends were giving given like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that to uh, create or to write the script. And instead of actually writing a script, they use that money to film a 20 minute short, um, which I, if I remember reading correctly, included the, um, the Stonehenge scene. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, and that's what they used to pitch the film basically said, guys, we're going to ad lib this, the crap out of this movie. This is what you can expect. Give us some money. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I, I feel i feel like this is an idea that's only strong enough to carry itself a half hour at the most you know i well i think that i have you know in in, in watching like the office i like i could watch a tv show about this in bits and pieces yeah like yeah. If, if this was a series I, I think that i would really love it it just for me, like for you at the like thirty minute mark, for me around the sixty minute mark, it just got to be too much. It, you know the 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 satire meter or whatever. Like you know it it got you know it got less and less sensitive to the point where some of the jokes 
you know, were either not having the, you know, they weren't as funny as they could have been if they were a little bit, you know, fresher and hadn't been done a few, you know, a little bit before. Well, like, yeah, like the big problem for me is like the big laughs. There's there's a lot of time between the big laughs, so like the stuff that stands out. Um, yeah, but, which I'm fine with, but that kind of awkward time, like comedic timing, really can wear on you. And, yeah. and I think and that's that's where the fatigue comes in. Is you know, like the scene with the the amp going up to eleven, you know, is. It's a, so great, and it's 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 the the timing between when um, Rob Reiner asks him, it's like, well, why don't you just make number ten louder? And there's that pause, and it's like and he's that pause, but he's but, like, but this one goes up to eleven. <laughs> yes, the timing on it is perfect, but because he's it, he's seriously contemplating it, he's giving it thought, but it's like eleven. <laughs> yeah. But but it, you know. But it relies on you having that sensitivity to that pause, you know. And you know, maybe if we were in nineteen eighty four or whatever, you know, and, and, we, not, and we contributed to its four point four million dollars yes. growth. <laughs> you know, maybe if we were there back in the day. We, you know, and we hadn't been exposed to the office. It hadn't been exposed to Parks and Rec. It hadn't been exposed to the vast majority of the catalog of several comedians. Well, like I, think, I, think, I don't, I mean, I don't know the history of mockumentaries, but I think at this point, this was like maybe the, an early entry into that genre. Yeah. So, I don't think it, it was the first, but it was, it was, it definitely popularized them. And I, I didn't read too much about it, but I think that the people that like some of the people that behind this film have tried to make a career out of it. But yeah, I think that, you know, without having been exposed to, you know, like I said, the office and Parks and Rec and all that stuff, this could have been a lot fresher of a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fatigue would have not set in so rapidly. Did Rob Reiner direct any episodes of The Office? That'd be hilarious if he did. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but this was actually, I believe, his uh, his directorial debut. He did two TV movies. Okay, well, major. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but Which, like okay, we, we talk about we talk about some Rob Reiner. I mean, he's also a character in this movie. And if if this is also if it's a parody of the the music of that time, I think it's it's also supposed to be a parody of documentaries of that time. And this is an example of something you don't see in documentaries these days: is the documentarian actually being a part of the action or being in front of the camera. Well, you, you do, you know, that's, that's one thing that like you shows up a lot in vice documentaries and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, you're still there, but you don't have the like um, independent lens opening, you know, actor walking out. Hi, I'm Rob Reiner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Rob Reiner. You know, we all enjoy music and <laughs> there is a band that, has fallen from grace and I don't know, but um, the there's definitely, you know, definitely it's old. And I think it's not so much as parody of documentaries, but definitely the, the, that just prominent, you know, rockumentary, you know, the, the kind of 
you know, ad libs. I think at that point, my understanding is, is there were just so many of these documentaries about bands coming out that it may have well just been, you know, cut and paste. Yeah. So, so okay, we talked about like, right? I mentioned like the the, the big laughs are few. There's big gaps between the big laughs. What what were your biggest chuckles or whatever in um? The closest I came to an outright laugh, and this is really really dumb, but there's a song where he's talking about the duty in his soul. I don't know why that's what got me, but that's that, that one gave me a little almost. <laughs> Um, and other than that, um, it's not an outright joke, but there's an offhand comment about how there's been 37 band members. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was going to be my... It took me, like, a few seconds to, like, okay, if they keep going through drummers, that means... At first, that there's, they've had, at first I thought it was, like, they've had 35 drummers. But that, that was excluding, like, the bassist or whatever. And so there's actually like 32. They've had 30, yeah, yeah. 32 drummers. They, yeah, they've gone through 32 drummers, which I, which we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think. But like you know, the drummers keep meeting random devices, which is they, is, they, they just blow up. So yeah, that, they, they, they've had multiple instances of spontaneous human combustion. One of them died in a bizarre gardening accident. Oh yeah, <laughs> I lo- I love the the scene of. Rob Reiner interviewing the, the current drummer while he's taking a bath. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't remember which which uh, character says it, but they're talking about the thing with, I think it was the gardening accident. And one of the characters says, it's like, best to leave it, best to leave it unanswered. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the, the darkest one is they had at least one, they may, they may have mentioned others that died, um, through a vomit asphyxiation, but it's heavily implied that it wasn't their own vomit. <laughs> which, which, from that time period, a lot a lot of musicians are yeah, it's to real, a rumor well, to have died from their- not even that time period. Like going back to like the sixties, like yeah. I'm sure even before then. But going back to the sixties, you know, I think I believe it was like like that's how like Jimi Hendrix was rumored to die. You know, stuff like that. So it's it's an ongoing thing in music, and and I I can think of a few people even you know in the last five ten years that that's happened to. So it's a really really dark throwaway line in that movie. Another laugh was was the the uh, puppet joke, <laughs> the, the, the opening for a puppet show that that got me. I, I enjoyed that joke. Yeah, and, um, and of course, like obviously the 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 Stonehenge whole thing was great um you know, i saw that coming like the second he started sketching something on a napkin i was like they're like he's gonna there I, I i didn't necessarily know it was gonna be ridiculously small but i knew there would be some kind of mistake and the whoever built it was going to hand over the the napkin drawing as their excuse for why it was all wrong <laughs> this this is it this is the model. <laughs> yeah. Now, the real now there, the people that pl- in the band after this came out, there is an actual Spinal Tap band, which we kind of you know we don't, and they 
have played concerts, like major festival concerts, as recently as like last year. They play like I think it's like called Glastonbury or something. It just happened again this year. Um, it's it's the actual cast from the movie, right? It's the actual it's, cast from the movie. Michael McKeon, who yeah. you can see now on Better yeah. Call Saul. But this is great. All right. They played this musical festival in the UK. And if you look like from the, the viewing area of the concert, you can look to the like left of the stage and you can see Stonehenge. Really? Yes. <laughs> and they played this concert and they played Stonehenge with the mini Stonehenge and the <laughs> little people dancing around it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, so this is Billy Crystal's second movie. Yeah, I didn't notice him for some reason. <laughs> you did. You didn't. I. I like the, the the brief moment with 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 his mind character. It's like I saw the hair. His hairdo I was like, wait a minute. Is that well, Billy Crystal? It it may have just been that like. Ever since I was like ten or whatever the, that movie came out, came out, I've just had this grudge against Billy Crystal for there never being a sequel, a third sequel to City Slickers. <laughs> Not because I want it, but just because I can't stand unanswered cliffhangers. But all, do you know who else was in this movie? Who? Oh wait, uh, I, I do know that the the record executive that initially brings up that their album is sexist is Fran Drescher. Yes, that's who, that's what I was going to say. The nanny. And I, I felt kind of dirty because I'm sitting here thinking this woman is really hot for being from the 80s. And then I realized it was Fran Dresser who, as the nanny, just... Not? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Her voice, anyway. Yes. But but yeah, it, it, took, me, it took me a moment. It's like, I think that's the nanny. And then I had to, then I had to IMDB it, I think. So... But yeah, it was her. Billy yeah, Crystal and the nanny are in this movie. So, if you happen to be in the neighborhood of a you know, major music festival in the UK, would you want to go check out Spinal Tap? Um, I, <laughs> would you would you like to see the miniature Stonehenge? Maybe <laughs> it's like if it was free, maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I don't like. I wasn't a fan of the music in the movie. I really wasn't. Um, but maybe just to say I did. I don't. I don't know. It, it would be one of those experiences that would be just like it could be entertaining and like you said, just to say that you did it. But at the same time. I think it would be kind of sad. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, watching any 80s band that still tours and wears this pretty much the same. Even though they're, it's fake? Yes. It's a joke? Oh, yes. Well, I mean, it, it would be a joke now. Yes. That, 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 that would be part of the joke. Like, they're yeah, already they, an old 80s band. If they <laughs> so embrace it, it would be amazing. They could make a, they could make a sequel right now. They could. They could. And where they are parodying all of these like comeback and final tours, where there's like ten of them, you know, you know, they could do it. And make a new the Spinal Tap 
documentary, mockumentary. Making fun of Rolling Stones, The Who, Paul McCartney. <laughs> it, I honestly think it would be amazing. I think it would be better than this movie. I think it would too, but only because me and you have grown up with that, that these old bands that are still going after all these years. Every person that was a teenager in the 80s that eventually watched this film would want to go see it. I, I, I would probably go see it. I don't, I don't know if I'd watch the original. Though I don't, I really don't. I mean, I like it's a one-time viewing thing. I really do. Oh, yeah. I really think it is. Um, but I, like outside of those things I've mentioned, there really aren't. I can't think of any mockumentary movies of note. Can you? Off the top of my head. I mean, I know that I've seen them. Like honestly, but the thing is, like, I don't necessarily think that you have to have a fake element to have the same be influenced by this film. Yeah. Like the, you know, there's, I've seen plenty of movies um, that are, that have a very similar kind of vibe. Um, Have you ever watched, it's on Netflix. There's a movie called uh, the queen of Versailles. No. Okay. So the, the gist of it is it's like this woman and her husband, who's like the owner was the owner of the, like this huge timeshare company decide they're going to build the, the like largest house in the world that they call Versailles. And in the middle of there, there's these people making a documentary about it. They're just there to make a documentary about that. And in the middle of it, his company basically goes under. So it's watching the, like one of the richest families in the world, like lose everything. And it has a very, very similar vibe to it, to like this movie, even though it's completely legit and real. But yeah, it just, Movie-wise, I, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen... I don't think there's been a mockumentary released in... Oh, wait. I'm stupid. Uh, Bruno and um, Joseph Baron Cohen's movies. I completely yeah, Borat. And, Borat. Yeah, yeah. Bruno. I totally forgot about those. There's, yeah, there's those. But, you know, to me, they're so absurd that they don't even... I don't even classify them as, like, you know, documentary, mockumentary, anything like that. They just feel like movies with you know, like a kind of cinema verte style, but like brings up like kind of a point where like in this film, there was some absurd stuff. It wasn't constant. You know, we talked about the airplane stuff before, but there yeah. was some absurdity, you know, and I just wonder for you, like what stands out in this film as far as absurd things that, you know, either were too much, or it's felt out of place, or what have you. Besides the Stonehenge thing. <laughs> the Stonehenge thing worked for me. It didn't feel too absurd. But... Oh, I think that's about... I mean, I feel like... The, 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 I mean, I think we've talked about them already. All the really absurd stuff. The, the drummer drummer's dying... <laughs> Yeah, I think and, that was um, probably the main one. That it was it was too much. You know, it, like not. I, I don't think it was too much. It, they, it was. They they did it. They they kind of undersold it. They didn't, and they only brought it back here and there. They never tried to like beat your head over. Hey guys, the drummer's dying. Um. So they walked. I, I think they walked a line, and it like it was subtle. To a degree, but you know, but uh, I did like 
that at the very end of it, like the the drummer, like very, there's just kind of a quick shot of the drummer combusting, and then there's another yeah. drummer. Yeah, they don't they don't even mention it. <laughs> what did you think of the <clears throat> semi Yoko Ono kind of subplot in it? Well, it made sense because with their flashbacks to their early stages of the career, where they were literally the Beatles, from the the, the straight hair, the suit and tie, to the the psychedelic hippie stage, and so it made sense you know, that I, they would go <laughs> into the Yoko Ono stage. You know, I, honestly, you know, I'm sure there is stuff that I'm completely missing in this movie because I'm just not. In the into this genre, I, I just don't know enough about it. But in a lot of ways, I felt like this movie was more a parody of like the Beatles type music, no, like, uh, no, and, like, and th those personalities that it was of rock and roll from the eighties. No, like like I said, like in, in the opening, this is what the Beat this this movie is saying. This is what the Beatles would have become by the the early eighties if they had stick stuck together. Since we're we're on we're kind of wrapping things up. Uh, one thing I wanted to you know kind of try is, you know us you know whatever the movie we've seen, recommend a movie based on that. Not necessarily the same thing, you know, not exactly another documentary or anything like that, um, but something that you could watch this and watch that. It, I have no great. idea. I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. If, I really don't know of any mockumentary movies outside of this well, what, what about just like movies what, what about just not say mockumentary but just like what about like go watch the first four seasons of the office and then parks and rec that's really it's that's, just that's a, just watch parks and rec or but yeah or just watch parks and rec for me like the movie i want to recommend um is a very it, you know, this is a real story with a real artist but very direct parallel um and that is um it's a movie called the carter it's a, a documentary about uh lil wayne it's one of those it, they started out filming a one of those like kind of puff documentaries that you use to pr promote like to hike hype new albums and this was filmed during while he was recording uh, the, uh, i think it was the carter three and basically he stopped participating in the documentary about halfway through. So the documentary crew just kind of said, okay, we're still going to make a documentary. We're just not going to make the one you wanted us to. So they made like a very like realistic portrait of what this guy is like, including like showing him, you know, you know, smoking weed and just absolutely downing bottle after bottle of cough syrup. But at the same time showing, he has this super amazing work ethic where he's just constantly, constantly recording um, and constant, constantly just trying stuff out. But on the other hand, because of who, like his, like who he is and, and who his family is and all that kind of stuff, he is not, he has have a single person around him that will say, you know, don't, that, do, that. <laughs> don't do that. That's not very good. Those lines you just recorded are really terrible. Lil Wayne, Carter, whatever your actual name is, you can't play the guitar. Please don't do that in public. <laughs> like, oh, Lil Wayne, he's wheezy, right? I, 
or whatever. I don't know. I'm a terrible rap fan. I, I'm not. I think so, but there could be other rappers that go. I don't know. I I, I like rap, but not. You know, I don't listen listen to Lil Wayne. You know, know. specifically. Um, not that I had a good issue with him. Like I said, I watching the documentary gave me an appreciation for him as an artist that I didn't have before. But like I said, there's a really good parallel between this fake movie, this fake documentary, and that real documentary, and watching someone not necessarily go through a decline, but showing them as a person in decline in a way. Yeah. Uh, but also, but being honest and showing their personality in a very similar way to that, I feel like you kind of get to know the musicians in this film mm-hmm. as they may be. Okay, my okay, I, my suggest my recommendation would be for music music documentary would be uh, Twenty Feet from Stardom. Have you heard of it? No, tell me about it. Um, it was I believe it won the Oscar for best documentary last year um but it's about backup singers to like famous bands um like the who i think the who um uh, rolling stones it's like this this is like this the 60s and 70s of backup singers um so you get you get to find out like so basically basically the it's, it's about the pips instead of the last nights Huh? Isn't I believe it's like Gladys Knight and the Pips. I don't. Never mind. I'm just making it. No, but like you, you know, in the the Rolling Stone song "Give Me Shelter." Um, I think so. In the woman that's singing in that song, um, well, you get to hear about her backstory. But it's it's just it's just a really good documentary about um, I think her her life and her. I mean, it talks about multiple people, but the, the only part I really remember is uh, her name, her part, and she's, you know, the woman who's saying backup vocals on uh, Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter. And there's a, one really awesome moment where you see her sitting in a recording stu- studio today as an old woman, late middle age years, and um, she's sitting there listening to herself seeing Gimme Shelter from 40 years ago. It's a really, really haunting um, moment in that, that documentary. It's called 20 Feet from Stardom, and you should watch it. Cool. I, I'll put that on the list, like, right after, like, I, I know that voice, which I keep meaning to watch. In very similar. I, think, oh, I, think, I think I know what you're talking about. I know that. Yeah, I think it's I... the voice actor documentary. So, cool. So, any last final thoughts um this final shot there it's okay watch it once but cool. it could have been it could have just could have been shorter i guess how about segment it into like 30 seconds or 30 minute portions yeah give it a couple of days in between pretend you're watching a really really short nbc comedy <laughs> or a PBS comedy. I don't know. They're not they're not British enough. <laughs> okay. Cool. So I guess um, I think that wraps it up. Um if you wanna contact us, you know, hit us up on Twitter. It's uh, at uh, movie takes pod. Um our Facebook is Facebook slash movie takes and our email is 
moviedtakespodcast at gmail.com. And, and I'm on I'm on Twitter at Daniel McFadden, uh, all one all one word, and my last name is M C F A D I N. Yeah, and and in case you missed that, the his name will be in the show notes um, for the video and the audio podcast. And then my Twitter name is at Kroski, and he won't please, respond to you. No, no, no. Please, please, like, send me messages and stuff so I, like, have a reason to look at this window over here on my second monitor as, like, a feed. It's been going for years, and I've, I don't pay attention to it anymore. But <laughs> if I get messages, I will pay attention because there will be noises. I will have, like, icons with little badges on them, and those annoy me. So I will be forced to use Twitter again. So add me, message me, do whatever. And if you want to keep listening, we'll we'll have a little extra segment where we talk about, uh, I guess, the movie, summer movies today and what we're looking forward to, I guess, maybe. Or something. So, or something. So, yeah, keep listening if you want. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you probably in an outtake or something on Tuesday. And the full, full episode will come out hopefully next Friday. And we will announce on Facebook what that movie will be. We can say it right here. Um, we can say it now, right? We're watching Snatch. Snatch is the next movie we're reviewing. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were watching Snatch. Um, I really love heist, heist movies. I got to pick it this time, so that's what we're doing. I, l- I let Crow pick. <laughs> yeah, we're watching the Jason Statham, Brad Pitt movie Snatch from, I believe, the year 2000. So, cool. Well, I'm Daniel. I'm James. See you later.